I want to welcome you to Cornerstone and always appreciate that you're here and that uh, you've chosen to worship with us. And there's a lot of good churches in the area. Actually, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of really horrible churches in the area. We're the only good one. So you made a wise choice and you know that's not true. A lot of good churches in the area. So thank you for joining us. And we are in a series that we're going to be in throughout the summer. We're going to be looking at the names of God. And tonight, or today rather, we're going to be looking at Elohim, the mighty God over all. And I want to tell you a little bit about Fanny J. Crosby. Fanny J. Crosby's known for hymns. Some of us, I'm sure, have sung many of her songs. She wrote them over her lifetime. But I want to tell you the beginning of Fanny J. Crosby's story when she was six months old. It was May of 1820. She caught a cold... And her eyes became inflamed and the regular doctor in Putman County, New York was gone. He was out of town and so there was a person that was standing in but he wasn't a real doctor and he posed as a doctor. He gave her the wrong treatment, six month old little baby girl and within days her eyesight was destroyed. She was utterly blind. Despite that terrible event, you want to hear what she wrote when she was eight years old. Now, think about this. I've got four children. One of them's eight. So parents, if you've got an eight-year-old, think of your child writing this when they're eight years old. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot, and I won't. You know, a preacher once said to her, Fanny, I think it's a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. And she replied quickly, do you know that if at birth, now hear this, do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition... It would have been that I should be born blind. Can you imagine that? As we turn our thoughts to knowing the names of God, I want you to take note, such a little, tiny, subtle thought. Nobody made up these names. There was no human being that said, let's call God this see, in the scriptures, the names of God are names that He has given to us. He gave them. He revealed them. He continually reintroduces us to who He is. See, when God gave a name, it was a window. And I want you to visualize in your mind a window. The drapes were drawn. And all of a sudden, God gives His name. He opens the blinds, draws back the drapes. And allows you to see a part of his nature and a part of his character that you did not see before. Because God wants to be known. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with all of his creation. So last week we looked at the name Jehovah. It's only a a name only given to his own people. 
This was not a name, Jehovah. Now, some of you are going to be really tempted to tune out even here, but you got to know this. Jehovah was never named the I am of God, never a name given to anyone outside of his people. That was a name given to his people alone. And it revealed that our God is faithful, faithful to his promises. You in a storm in life? Do you remember what I told you last week? You're either in one of life's storms or you're heading to one or you're coming out. And guess what? If you're coming out, it won't be very long before you find your way back in. That's life. The Bible calls them trials. And he's faithful to his promises. He endures through those storms. And when we are in those storms, he is a strong tower, gives us peace. The righteous will run into it. Well, the name that we're going to learn today is God's name given for the whole world. Now, you ready? Now, listen, Jehovah was given to his people. This name was given to all the world and it shows all creation, his power, his plans and his purposes. You ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? She di- she did not die, actually. Well, she has died, but she endured through a concentration camp. She tells us of the power of God's names. And I want you to really listen to what this woman is going to say because she endured a horrific life storm that most of us will never go through. Here's what she wrote. Look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. But look at God's name and be at rest. That's the power of God's names. And the very first name that God gave us in the Bible is his name, Elohim. And we're going to look at that in Genesis 1. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 1. We're not going to have to get very far before we start seeing this name. Genesis chapter 1, we're in verse 1. In the beginning, God... In the beginning, God, here's the window. It's going to open up. Ready? Here's his nature. God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, God, who is the creator. So Elohim is God. Elohim is the mighty creator. We're four words into the Bible in verse one. And we're already introduced to its author and its main subject, God. In English, but in Hebrew, Elohim. It's a name that displays God's creative governing power as he sovereignly reigns over all of his creation. But I want you to look at Elohim. The root really is El, which means mighty God, but then Eloah, which means strong and mighty God. But there's an Im, an I am, Elohim. There's something powerful about the I am. The I am brings and indicates plurality. So now we've got not only the mighty God, we've got the mighty triune God. You might have called them the Trinity. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Elohim. And we're four words in the Bible. We just met Elohim, the triune God. He's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But why did God introduce himself in this way. Well, that's really the, the whole subject of the three points that I'm going to share with you today. And the first of those is this one. You ready? The name Elohim was given to help us trust in his power 
over our lives. It was given to help us trust in His power over our lives. Now look at me for a moment if you would. There's not anybody here, and I'm not an exception. I'm included in this. There's none of us that don't struggle periodically with trust. Kind of has to do with the severity of the trials that we go to or the particular nature of some of these trials. There's going to be something that you're going to go through where you're going to really wonder, can I trust God? And so he knows our weaknesses. He knows that he's calling us to be obedient when everything in us wants to say, no way, I'm not doing this. I cannot do this. He knows he's calling us into a life that's going to be difficult as we follow him. So he's given to us his name, Elohim. He's got the power over our lives. I really like A.W. Tozer. He once said, what comes into our minds, what comes into our minds, our thoughts, when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I wonder if you've ever wondered about that, if you've ever thought about that, maybe considered that. What comes into your mind immediately before the sanitizing bubble of, oh, I can't think like that about God. I wonder what comes into your mind in your unguarded moments and what it speaks about God or your understanding of him. See, here we are, we're right at the very beginning of the Bible, we're at Genesis chapter 1, we're in verse 1, and God is immediately introducing himself. You want to know something about God, here's what he's doing, now listen, here's what he's saying, hello, I am Elohim, and I want us to get to know each other, that is precisely what he's doing. See, God wants you to know him. God wants to be known by you, and he wants to be known by me. And what he wants us to know about him, well, are a lot of things, but let me give you two things rooted in Genesis chapter 1. The first is this, everything, everything has come from me. I am the creator of all there is. So let's apologize to Bill Nye, the science guy, because he's totally wrong. God wants you to know in the face of all of the evolution might that not evolution, not Darwinianism and natural selection, not chance, but God created all that there is. God's not a tree. He's not a cow in India. He's not the sunshine in new age. He's not any part of creation at all. Now, do you understand that? You can never look at any part of creation and say, that's God. He's the creator, not part of creation. He's the creator of all there is. Though all creation points to his glory. Now listen, God is above it. God is outside of it. And this is awesome. Yet God is working all through it. And he works his will and his purposes through creation. But again, remember that Elohim, the I am, speaks of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And all three persons possess the same infinite perfections. All of them. Did you know this? Did you know that the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit were all involved in creation. Tim, no, I think it was just the Father. Well, the Father certainly was, for He spoke, Psalmist says, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Yet Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 tells us that God created all things through Jesus Christ. In a case we don't get that very clearly, he says that word through again when John writes his gospel. He says all things were made through Jesus, the Logos, the word of God, and without him was not anything made that was made. So God created, the Father created, he did it through Jesus See, the Father willed creation into existence. It came into being through Jesus. Yet the book of Job says, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. See, you've only got to look to the very next verse, Genesis 1-2. You're right there. Here's what it says. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the Father is involved in creating this world. The Son is involved as He did it through Jesus. And the Spirit of God is involved as He took this formless, void, and he brought shape and texture and color and beauty to all creation. He adorned it. But there's a second thing that I want to tell you. The first was everything has come from me. I'm the creator of all there is. But the second is this. Now, I want you to really, here's what you got to do right now. I want you to sort of reach into your mind. I want you to pull out a fork and a knife and take the straw that you're sipping at and stow it back in the pocket of your mind. You don't need that straw right now. You need a chew. You need meat. You gotta, you gotta have meat if you're gonna grow in your understanding, your faith in, in, in Christ. So here's the second thing that we're learning. You ready? Now don't get intimidated by that. This is gonna be fun. You're gonna say to me afterwards, Pastor Tim, I love you because you made me eat the meat with a fork and the knife. Actually, you're probably not gonna say that, but I'm gonna hopefully hope you will. He's saying this, I've already existed in the beginning. Now look what it says, verse 1. In the beginning, God. See, I've already existed, God says. Now here's the key point, ready? I was already there in the beginning when the clock started ticking. You know what he did in verse 1? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this. He created time. You didn't know that time had a created, creating point? There was not even a clock to tick before verse 1. He created the clock and then he created it to tick. And time began in the beginning, verse 1. In fact, Jude wrote in the end of his book in that great doxology, verse 25, Jesus, or, or all glory belongs to God. Now here's what he said, before all time. See, there was, there was an age, there was an eternity past before time was created. Are you chewing? 
Time had a beginning. It was created by God. He set this cosmic clock into motion before the mountains were brought forth, the psalmist says, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's that's pre-time language from everlasting in the past before the clock began and to everlasting in the future. See, in God's nature, now this, by the way, I want you to, let's time out for just a second. Because I can't lose you on this. And some of you may already be thinking of quantum physics at this point. Don't even do that. I didn't ask you to get a sawzall out. We're not chewing meat that thick. Fork and knife. I want you to see this time issue because it's going to play directly into your life. You're going to get great comfort out of this. In just about three minutes. So hang in there with me. Listen to Paul who wrote in Colossians. And speaking of Christ. For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth. So by Christ. Visible and invisible. All things were created through Jesus. And now listen. And for Jesus. You know this earth. These stars. The heavens. Are a gift of the father for the son. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus existed in everlasting past because he's before all things. But listen, and in Jesus, your molecular structure, which science tells us wants to fly apart, and they don't understand the power that keeps cohesion. They don't understand why it doesn't atomize. It's not very difficult if you look at Colossians with faith. It's the power of Jesus. He sustains every single molecule in our bodies. He sustains the pew that you're sitting on. He sustains everything in this world. It was created for Jesus and it was created by him. See, Elohim, eternal creator, sustainer of all of his creation, he is always over us. He is greater than anything. His strength has no equal, yet he is always near us. You like theology? The words are transcendence, which means greater and beyond, and eminence, meaning it's right down with us. You got the greatness, yet the nearness. Here's what the Bible says about that. Jeremiah, am I a God who is near? That's imminent. Declares the Lord and not a God far off, transcendent, greater and above. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? You see, God's greatness reminds us that he is bigger than any problem you'll ever face in your life. Now let's take a look at that. Are you in a storm in life right now? Experiencing something you never saw coming? See, Elohim is the name that's opening up a window for you to see the greatness of your God who loves you. He never is going to leave you or forsake you. He's going through this with you. That's what his nearness reminds you of. His freedom. Now listen, here's the time. His freedom from the clock. Do you know God is free from time? He created it. He's not bound. We're prisoners of time. God doesn't exist in time. He is outside of it. He is free from the clock. Meaning this. Now listen, this is mind-boggling. So simple. God is never in a hurry. God's never in a hurry. Now we get frantic. We get frustrated. 
We say, Lord, come on. We've been praying. We've been asking. We've been pleading. It's getting down to the 11th hour. You got to move. And God is whispering to you, my name is Elohim. Let that open up your eyes to my nature. I'm never in a hurry. And you know why God's never in a hurry? Now listen, you know why he's never in a hurry? Because he's never out of time. God is never out of time. He knows the outcome because he is already there. He doesn't exist within the time stream. He exists outside of the time stream. And he bends time for his purposes. And he takes time and he makes it, wields it for his glory. He is mighty God. He is creator of the universe. Elohim is his name. And it was written in 1 Samuel, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our Elohim. But there's another point. I think it's going to get even more personal. The name Elohim was given to help us trust in his plan for our lives. I told you it was to help us trust in his power over our lives, but it's also a name given to help us trust his plan for our lives because you're born with a blueprint. Did you know that? All right, we're in 2014. You're born with a CAD drawing. Drawn by God himself. And it was drawn, listen, this is huge. It was drawn before Genesis 1. Before he created all there is. For we are his workmanship, Ephesians says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Hang in there, here it is. That which God prepared beforehand. What is beforehand? Beforehand is before he even created the planets. Why? Because he's not bound by time. Do you know that before he created the earth, he was already with us? Oh, man, this is Einstein level stuff, right? It's making you get a headache. Listen, before he created anything, he already knew you. He had already set his love on you. He had already gazed at you with his eyes of holiness and said, I want you to love me and I'm going to reveal myself to you in the right time. Because he makes time his servant. And just as God exists outside of time and over it, he also is outside and he's greater than all creation. He, listen, he didn't assemble the universe from raw materials floating around. It's not like he does what some of us do in the Ackley family. He says, come on, let's make some chocolate chip cookies and just start going into the cupboards and throwing stuff into the bowls. That's not what God did. He didn't take raw materials that happened to be floating around and say, let's just throw them together. Let's make the universe. The earth was without form and void. Look at verse 2, Genesis 1. Without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And somebody who's a skeptic, who is not living by faith, might say, well, these raw materials were already in existence. 
For the second verse of scripture says that the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the earth. But look at the earth and darkness and water were already existing, skeptics say. That's what they tell you. But you got to go back to verse 1. Look at verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you might be sitting there, if you're really into this sermon and you're really thinking, you say, okay, you got me on the heavens and the earth, but how about the darkness? Surely darkness was already there. Well, go to Isaiah chapter 45. God says, I form light and create darkness. Listen, there's nothing that God has not created. He is Elohim, the creator of all. Yet the earth and the heavens, the universe needed, verse 2, needed the adorning that Job spoke of. For the earth was without form and void. You know what that means in the Hebrew language? It means it was a wasteland. Did you hear that? It was a wasteland. I mean, the potential was there. It just was yet to be shaped into the form that God had planned. Do you remember what point two was? The name Elohim was given to help us trust in his plan for our lives. And if you're perceptive and if you're starting to kick, you know, connect into this message, then you're already seeing that what you see in verses one and two of Genesis one is what you're seeing and what God is doing in your own life. The potential was there. That's you and I. It just was yet to be shaped into the form that God had planned. And the Holy Spirit began to do just that, verse 2. And suddenly it becomes clear. Elohim is not only the creator God. He's the God who shapes everything to his will and to his plan. You see, God has a plan. And he bends and he shapes and he molds every part of creation to serve that plan. Now here it is. Ready? Think of the word history because all of history is his story. It's all about God. It's not ours. It's his plan brought about by his power for his Glory. So all of God's plans have an end goal, and the end goal is that God's fame would be increased. The spotlight would shine on Jesus, and Jesus would give praise to the Father, and the Spirit of God would give credit to Jesus. It all works in the triune God in that way. And his plan is this. Here's his plan. Yeah, I'm going to be presumptuous. I'm going to tell you the plan of God. It's really not difficult. Because you get it from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22. It ends with this plan. It begins and ends. Here's God's plan. You ready? God saved us because we could not save ourselves. And he did it through his son, Jesus Christ. And his son, Jesus Christ, is going to bring him glory. That's his plan. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians reads, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he did what? Chose us 
in him when before the foundation of the world, before he created anything, before Genesis 1-1, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God chose you, brother and sister. If you have named the name of Jesus, if you have put your faith in him, listen, he chose you before he even created anything. And by his power, he has brought everything in your life to this moment in time. Where you can look up and say, I want to bring glory to God with my life. That's his plan. And his plan would find its highest point, not in the display of stars in that night sky, not in the thunderous roar of the Niagara Falls, but in redeeming the wasteland of humanity that's been wrecked by the devastation of sin. This is God's plan. He doesn't want people to die and go to hell. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. And this was his plan all along before he created. It wasn't an afterthought. It was a forethought. The great, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of, well, what's it say? Time. That's what Paul says. This grace was given us before he even created time. See, Elohim's plan has never been foiled, it's never been interrupted. Listen, it's never been altered in any way, contrary to his will. He is the mighty God. He shapes all of creation. He bends time to be his servant. And he is the sovereign, good God who executes his perfect plan. And no power in all of creation can thwart it. No power can stop the gospel. All right, now I told you it's going to get more personal. The, the name of Elohim is to show us, hey, we could trust God. He's got power over everything. We could trust God. He's got a plan that he's executing in this world. But now, listen to this. The name of Elohim was given to help us trust in his purposes for our lives. Now it's personal. I want you to listen to this for a minute. Our planet is 8,000 miles wide. Now listen to this. But our sun is 870,000 miles wide. It's so big, if you hollowed out the sun, it would hold 1,300,000 of our planet Earth. And yet supergiant red star Antares is 700 times wider than our sun. And even greater than that is the Canis Majoris star, which is around 2,000 times wider than our sun. Another way, if you want to try to grasp this, the size of creation, the universe, or the galaxies, is to know this. Light travels, you know it, at a speed of 186,000 miles per second. And it makes it to the moon at 1.25 seconds, one and a quarter seconds. It takes 8.3 minutes to get to the sun, but it makes it to our largest planet, Jupiter, in 41 minutes. If you want to get to the furthest planet, you can see with your eye, which is Saturn, it takes 85 minutes. To get to the next nearest star, which is the Alpha Centauri, it takes 4.3 years for light, traveling at 186,000 miles per second to reach it. 
Remember Ann Terry's? 2,000 times wider than our... Actually, uh, I think it was 700 times wider than our sun. You know how long it takes light to get to that super giant red star? It's 604 years. If you want to go from one side of the Milky Way to the other side of the Milky Way, it takes light. Now listen, 100,000 years to make it there. To our nearest large galaxy neighbor, which is called the Andromeda Galaxy, it takes light, and you better hold on, two million years. Did you know it was this big? Now listen to what scientists think is the edge of our observable universe. Light would need to travel at 186,000 miles per second for about, here it is, is last statistic. 15 billion years. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created all of that. He spoke it into existence. And He did it through His Son. He did it for His Son. And it was adorned by His Holy Spirit. And that name Elohim, which all of them participated in creation, that name Elohim shows you and I, He's got power over everything that comes in your life. If it takes light that long and He created it, what can He do with what you and I go through? And not only does He have the power over it, He's got a plan for this earth. But not only does he have a plan for the earth, he's got a purpose for every single person on it. See, all of creation exists to show the glory of God. Can you imagine David lying in those fields at night? He was a shepherd. Let all the earth, he says, fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. See, God created all there is for a purpose. To shine a light. Here's his purpose. I'm going to apply it to us in a moment. To shine a light on his power and perfections. Let me think of it this way, right? Let me explain it this way. If you saw 30 different photos of the Grand Canyon... All from different angles. Each one of them would show a unique but consistent view of an incredible, awe-inspiring, and beautiful wonder. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Every name of God that He has revealed in His Word does the same thing. They reveal a unique view and understanding of God. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Now here's where you gotta, you gotta come, you gotta get with me now. You ready? Here's where it gets personal. The same is true if you took every single one of us here whom God has created for His glory, each of you have been created in His image. You've got the abilities and the talents that God before the foundation of this world was created decided to give you because He knew you then. You've got the passions that God wants you to have. You've got the bodies Pastor Tim, I don't like that one. doesn't matter. God's got a purpose and it can bring Him glory. You've got the bodies. 
Your stature, you're not going to do much unless you get on an Old Testament medieval, old, old uh, medieval stretching rack, but you're not going to get any taller. And if you're really tall, you're probably not going to get any shorter unless your feet get amputated. You've got the bodies that God wanted. You've got the talents and they all function. Now listen, here it is, as a photo album for God's glory. Listen, let's stop being so discontent with ourselves. And realize this was mapped out before the earth was created. Precisely the way you are. Because just the way you are can bring Him glory. And we're each a window into His magnificent and powerful creative nature. We show other people around us the wonder of God. It's our highest purpose that we can have. Listen, you can't find a better purpose in life than that one. That's the one God's given you. I mean, whatever God's specific call on your life is, the goal is to show people the glory of God. That all people everywhere on this planet might see and hear of the amazing things God has done and experience His love and His mercy through us. You know, maybe you're a student in school or college. Maybe a homeschooling mom, maybe you have a job with a high degree of visibility or you've got a job where nobody in senior leadership knows your name. It doesn't matter. You are called to join the rest of creation and reveal to those around you Elohim, our creator, our redeemer, the one who personally invites you to display his glory through serving him. I mean, look at verse 26. You're still in Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. Elohim is speaking. Look at the plural. Now you'll know it's the triune God. Look at the plural. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Father, Son, Spirit. Having a little get-together, a conference. Whatever it means to be created in the image of God, somehow it means that we image Him. That's what it says. And we're like Him. But you might be saying, well, no, wait a minute. Sin fractured this. Sin took this away. We're no longer in the image of God. Well, you're not correct. But sin did fracture. I mean, think of a rock thrown into a mirror and the spiderweb cracks now distort your image. That's what sin has done, but we're still in the image of God. Genesis, or James says in chapter 3, with, four, with, with our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness or the image of God. That's New Testament. Listen, we're still in the image of God. Elohim created mankind, verse 26, in their image and after their likeness then gave us our purpose look what it says verse 28 be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on this earth and you might be reading this and you might see in it a command you got to have a lot of kids you got to take care of the earth you got to be a farmer well, God does want us to enjoy families, and we do have a farming family in the very back row. 
And we are to manage creation. We are to steward it well. But it's got a lot more meaning than this in the mind of God. And by the way, verse 28 is still in effect today for every one of us. But now it's got the twist of the gospel. See, we're to bring the glory of God and the power of the gospel to all the nations of the earth, filling and multiplying as Christians all over the planet. So there's no people group that does not know about Jesus. I mean, this is the great commission. Listen to it with fresh ears. Jesus came to them and said, all authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of who? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Elohim, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is Genesis one twenty eight. now working, working through the gospel. No matter what calling God has for your life, this is your mission, friend. If you're not living this mission, you cannot possibly be in the calling of God. You cannot possibly be living your life on purpose. For this is his purpose. Does your life seem empty and desolate? And you no longer even have hope that it's ever going to change? Has this life worn you out? Or is your life a mess and it feels like a a wasteland? Are you drifting and not knowing what your purpose in life is? Well, listen, I've got good news for you. Call on the name Elohim. And be reminded of God's nature and character. Maybe see it for the first time. And hear Elohim whisper into your soul, I created you exactly the way you are defects in all you are stunningly beautiful to me and altogether desirable look through the lens of my name don't look through the lens of magazines don't look through the lens of hollywood and you're going to see your true beauty reflected in my eyes. Look at my name when you look at your scars, whether they're emotional or physical or mental, because I am Elohim, I am your Redeemer. I take formless and voidless matter and earth and life, and I adorn it and I make it beautiful because I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for you. And I took your empty And sin ruined life and I caused you to live. I saved you because you could not save yourself. And I did it through my son for the fame of my glory. Now listen. You want to hear what Elohim's telling you? Tim, you're being audacious. No, I'm not. It's right in the word of God. What he's telling you is this. If you've got ears to hear it, join my mission, he's saying. Join my mission to bring the gospel wherever you go. In your jobs, in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your events, in your parties, in your teams. Bring my gospel to bear. And my gospel is the good news that God, Elohim, saves you because you can't save yourself. He's going to do it through his son. He's going to do it for the fame of his glory. That's his name. 
That's Elohim. Do you remember Fanny J. Crosby, the, the blind hymn writer? Made blind in that tragic medical mistake. The doctor that was not a doctor that blinded her fled the town right after that. He was a charade. Remember Fanny J. Crosby who said to that minister, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I should be born blind? You want to hear what the pastor said back to her? He just simply said, in surprise, why? And here's what she said to him. And I'm quoting. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. See, Fanny J. Crosby knew her mighty Elohim. And she trusted that he has power over everything, even medical mistakes and tragedy and storms and life. He's got power over it. And he's got a plan. He's bringing all of those into submission for the plan of his gospel. Because he wants to save people. And he's got a purpose for her life. And she joined his mission and gave the very rest of her life to sing about Jesus. You ready for that? Do you know your Elohim? The mighty creator, God, who shapes and adorns the wasteland of our lives and beautifies us for his glory so that we could tell people about Jesus. Are you ready to get on mission? That's the call of Elohim. Let's pray.